The long road trip is over. The Kings can return to Sacramento with their heads held high, completing the three and three road trip. They defeat the Detroit Pistons, and now as a Christmas present, they get their next six games at home, and the schedule opens up a lot of opportunity for them to build on their 16 and 12 record. You are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On King. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer at ABC10. Kings defeat the Pistons 122 to 113. If you take nothing else away from this podcast here tonight, please do not undersell the significance of the Kings going 3-3 three and three on this road trip. Regardless of who your competition is, a six-game Eastern Conference road trip is no easy feat for any team in the NBA. And they say good teams find ways to go minimum 500 on the road. Given the context of the, the trials that the Kings faced, injuries to De'Aaron Fox, injury to Kevin Herter, the team going through a shooting slump, referees not being on your side, given all that context wrapped into six basketball games here in the beginning of December, for the Kings to find a way to go 3-3, three and three, especially when the road trip started out the way it did with the exception of that win in Cleveland, and it even took a 19-0 run at the end of the game for the Kings to win that game in Cleveland. The Kings threw, show a lot of heart. They show continued growth. Like if I were to have a checklist of tracking the, the, the growth or the improvement of the Sacramento Kings, finding a way to go 500 on a long road trip like this. Now, they have a seven-game road trip coming up later in the season, but it's not just a, an Eastern Conference road trip. I would argue six games on an Eastern Conference road trip for the Sacramento Kings in December is more difficult than a seven-game road trip with a smattering of Eastern and primarily Western Conference opponents in February or March or whenever it is. The Kings going 500 on this road trip is significant. It is another reminder that this team is different. It's another reminder that this team is better. It's real, people. We are about to hit 30 games this season. 30 games into the season, and the Sacramento Kings are, or I should say, almost 30 games this season, and the Sacramento Kings are four games over 500. This isn't just a good start anymore. This is who this Kings team is. Yes, they still have a long way to go. Yes, they still have a lot to prove. And being four games over 500 doesn't guarantee you an actual playoff series and not just a play-in spot. But this Kings team is different. This is real. You can accept the fact that this team is better. The playoffs are not just a legitimate possibility. At this point, I think a legitimate expectation for this group. If you asked every single one of the players in that locker room, coaches on that staff, maybe even front office members, they would tell you the expectation at this point right now and maybe at the uh, during the entire offseason was that this Kings team is a playoff team. They're playing like it so you can believe it. This is what good teams do. A couple things that the Kings did tonight are what good teams do. Number one, Complete a six-game road trip, three and three, going 500, bare minimum. Number two, the Kings were playing a team in the Detroit Pistons that we know the Kings are better than. There's, there's no argument. That's just straight fact. The Sacramento Kings are a better team than the Detroit Pistons. Stats back that up. Records back that up. Eye test backs that up. You just can't have that argument. Now, the Detroit Pistons 
have, I think, a lot of talent on that roster. I'm a big fan of Sadiq Bey. Killian Hayes has been playing a lot better. I'm going to talk about Marvin Bagley in a little bit. Jay Nivey's on that team. Like, these Detroit Pistons are capable of having good nights. And that's why I said the Kings couldn't afford to take the Pistons lightly. Number one, they didn't take the Pistons lightly at any point. It did look like a little bit of end-of-road trip kind of fatigue in this first half. And the Detroit Pistons, thankfully, aren't good enough to really create that much separation off of that. But what do good teams do in games like this, even if it's on the road, if they're better than a team and that team has a good first half against them or builds a lead into that first half, they come out and reestablish their dominance to start the second half. And the Kings did that. They went on a 19-2 run to start the third quarter after trailing 63-55 at half. A 19-2 run to start the third quarter. They, re, uh, they took the lead, built a decent lead, kind of went back and forth. The Pistons uh, made it a game and made it close, and the Kings ended up putting this game to bed in the fourth quarter. But how many times over the last 16 years have we watched the Sacramento Kings play well in the first half, build maybe a small lead against a team that we know is better than Sacramento. They go into that halftime break, they adjust, they come out in the second half and blow the Kings out of the water. We saw that a lot. That was a big pitfall of Luke Walton and his tenure here as the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. The Kings would go into the halftime break maybe with a, uh, a slight advantage, not make any adjustments. Better teams would, and suddenly the Kings go from having a chance to no chance, and it could be as quick as four or five minutes. Well, it took the Kings four or five minutes to rattle off a 19-2 run and dominate in the third quarter to take control of this game despite being at the end of a long and exhausting road trip. That is what good teams do. Let's talk about Keegan Murray really quick. Specifically, Keegan Murray versus Jaden Ivey. But Matt, they play different positions. It's can't, you can't compare them. I understand that to some extent, but let me say this. If we're comparing rookie on rookie, which is what everybody was doing in the draft coming into uh, this season and coming into this draft, comparing Keegan Murray, uh, Keegan Murray's like kind of safe, more boring isn't the right word, but kind of safer, more fundamental, quieter style to uh, Jay Nivey's flash and flair and dunks and can't miss athleticism and can't miss wow factor. A lot of people sided with Jaden Ivey. A lot of people here in Sacramento sided with Jaden Ivey. Now, I don't hold that against you. If the Kings had drafted Jaden Ivey, there would have been more than the fair share of arguments for why that was the right decision. You know, if you listen to during the entire summer, how I stand on that situation, you know I think the Kings made the absolute 100% right choice. And tonight's game doesn't decide that debate, if it is still a debate, but it's certainly a point in Keegan Murray's favor. And I'll say this, I have no idea if Keegan Murray paid any attention or gives two you-know-whats about Jaden Ivey or people saying Jaden Ivey was better than Keegan Murray and should have been taken fourth overall or people saying that the Kings made a mistake in drafting Keegan Murray fourth and not taking Jaden Ivey and letting Jaden fall uh, to the Detroit Pistons. I have no idea if Keegan heard that and cares about that at all, but he sure as hell played tonight like he heard every word. Keegan played with a chip on his shoulder in tonight's game. Very, very uh, solid game for Keegan. 20 points, 7 of 13 shooting from the field, 4 of 6 from three-point range. He was really the only player hitting from outside in the first half for Sacramento until everybody started to catch up. Played 36 minutes in this game. Compared to Jay Nivey, 5 points. 2 of 9 shooting from the field. Did have 5 assists. Got to give him credit for that. But he fouled out of this game. Jay Nivey, Tried to guard De'Aaron Fox and couldn't, couldn't do anything. Like De'Aaron abused Jaden Ivey. 
De'Aaron abuses a lot of people, so I'm not saying it's just Jaden Ivey that's bad. I think Jaden Ivey's going to be fine. I also recognize Jaden Ivey's on the Detroit Pistons, but this is why the circumstance of where both teams are at was extremely important in the draft process. Keegan Murray comes in and can help a team that we hoped was good, now know is good, actually make the playoffs. Jaden Ivey, I think, would have put up good moments and some interesting numbers on this Kings team, and Sacramento would have fallen right back into the issue that they had with multiple ball handlers and how did the Kings make De'Aaron Fox and Jaden Ivey coexist. Not to rehash an argument from this summer because that's over and done with. My point is, while it's not a fair one-on-one -on -one comparison to talk about Keegan Murray versus Jaden Ivey because they are completely different players playing in completely different positions. Keegan Murray played tonight like he was aware of what the conversation was, that he knows he was picked one, uh, he was selected ahead of Jaden, and he was going to play like it. And remember, Keegan Murray played earlier on this season against Paolo Bancaro in the Orlando Magic, and Paolo had a phenomenal game. The Kings won that game. Keegan Murray did not have a good night, and we were saying the same thing. Wow, Paolo Bancaro looks leagues different or on a different level than Keegan Murray it does. Well, in tonight's game, Keegan Murray looked like he was on a different level from Jaden Ivey. So one game sample size, that's how it looked tonight. Okay, I'm feeling a little bit petty here. I want to talk about Marvin Bagley, but specifically the Bagley family. Like, I got all love for Marvin, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, crap on the Bagley family here just for a second, and not out of line, but hear me out. Marvin put up a decent stat line. 13 points, six of nine shooting from the field, six rebounds off the bench in 17 and a half minutes tonight. I got love for Marvin. I want nothing but the best for Marvin Bagley, truth be told. Like, I, I would love to see him succeed. I would love to see him stay healthy. I think he absolutely needed a, a fresh start. But I'm a fan of Marvin Bagley's. He was nothing but professional and kind in my interactions with him and his time here in Sacramento. Blah, 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 blah. I have nothing against Marvin Bagley whatsoever. Marvin Bagley's family, maybe specifically his dad, whoever's running the Team Bagley account, the people that Marvin Bagley surrounded him with, who I also think have contributed to Marvin not living up to his potential as a number two overall pick, the ones that have taken to social media repeatedly and bashed the Sacramento Kings, demanding trades for when he was here in Sacramento, blaming the Kings for him struggling and not being able to stay healthy. Like, look where the Kings are at now. And look where your son is at now. Your son can't even get in the starting lineup on a terrible team in the Eastern Conference. Meanwhile, the Kings, immediately after your son was let go or traded, immediately after that, the very next season, the Sacramento Kings are a significantly better team. And you can't tell me, well, if Marvin was on the team right now when DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox were here, it'd be a different story. No, it wouldn't, because Marvin Bagley would be on the bench backing up and really holding the uh, the bags of DeMontis Sabonis. Like, Marvin would... If Marvin were still on the Sacramento Kings, he'd be having the same issues, I think, that Rashawn Holmes is having, which is, where in the world do I fit in? And truth be told, I trust Rashawn Holmes more than I trust Marvin Bagley to handle that spot properly. In fact, I know for a fact Rashawn is handling it better than Marvin and his family ever would. So, hope you're happy, Bagleys. Like, you want to blame Sacramento all you want? That's fine. Sacramento can excel, and, uh, and I wish your son the absolute best over there in Detroit. All right, we still got to talk about De'Aaron Fox. Still got to talk about DeMontis Sabonis. Still so much to talk about from this game. We will, after I tell you about a great sponsor of Locked on Kings, I'm talking about Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. Think like Airbnb and, and Verbo, but for your cars. With Turo, you can book any car you want 
whenever you want it from a community of local hosts across the USA, UK, Canada, and Australia. Forget boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com. It's the world's largest car sharing marketplace. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classic luxury car for a special event, birthday, holiday, maybe prom. Uh, you can test drive that new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on and want to give it a shot. If you're just trying to get from point A to point B, you can get a more economic economy car. There's so many options made available for you, and many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Again, forget boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com. Boy, the difference a week makes for De'Aaron Fox. A week ago, we were concerned about De'Aaron dealing with injuries and not looking like himself and not being able to dominate games and show that star, all-star uh, side of him. Well, that's gone. And I, I use dominate specifically because De'Aaron Fox does not need to score 30-plus points to dominate a game. He scored 24 points in this game, shot 9 of 19 from the field. Not the greatest of shooting percentages, had 9 assists. He dominated this game. De'Aaron got wherever he wanted, was opening up opportunities uh, for his teammates, played great defense, uh, had a transition dunk at one point after picking or after forcing a steal. And then, of course, that monster dunk at the end of the game, that, that cocked back, just full tomahawk slam. We haven't seen De'Aaron Fox throw a dunk like that down for a long time. And typically, it takes one of two things for De'Aaron to do something like that. It takes him to play angry, which he played angry the other night in the Kings' win against Toronto, and we saw how that went. Or it takes De'Aaron Fox having fun. And you can see, based off the big smile on his face, uh, after he threw that down, the interaction with his teammates, De'Aaron Fox is having a lot of fun playing basketball right now. And it's so good to see because, boy, oh boy, does he deserve it. He absolutely deserves it for the for what he's fought through uh, and what he has worked through throughout his career to this point here in Sacramento. But De'Aaron, I mean, that dunk to me solidifies a lot of things. It solidifies that De'Aaron, it's a statement of him saying, look, I still very much am the guy here in Sacramento. I have more help than I've ever had before, and I'm thankful for that help. But in this moment, it's my highlight. I'm going to remind you who I am and what I'm doing and what these Sacramento Kings are doing. I had a conversation uh, with uh, Damian Barling earlier this week on ESPN 1320's D-Lo and KC radio show. And Damien brought up a really good point about how the, the light, the beam kind of trend has, has captured the attention of, of fans and organizations and national media members around the NBA outside of Sacramento. It's cool. They're kind of buying into it. They're enjoying it a little bit. The beam team thing is picking up and that's awesome. I think that's great. And I'm glad it's grabbed their attention. But De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are the guys that should be keeping their attention. And what I mean by that is they should stop just paying attention to how cute and how fun the beam is and start paying attention to how damn good the basketball actually is. And those players are playing here in Sacramento. And I think this was one of those De'Aaron Fox moments of, yeah, pay attention to me, pay attention to what I'm doing, pay attention to what this team is doing, not just the beam in the sky every time we win. Which, by the way, we've won 16 times now and we're midway through December. It's pretty awesome for the Sacramento Kings. I'm glad Fox got that moment. DeMontis Sabonis continues to just make Kings history or insert himself into conversations amongst the greatest of all time in Sacramento Kings history. DeMontis had 23 points tonight, 9 of 11 shooting from the field. I have to go through and find out the last time he missed more than three shots in a game because it seems like he's 
just anything that goes up, it's a good shot. And most of the time it's going in for Sabonis. He also had 13 rebounds, seven assists, a couple steals and a block. He continues to just fill up stat sheets left and right. He is the third player in Sacramento King, rather Kings franchise history, not just the Sacramento era. He's the third player in Kings franchise history with four consecutive 20, 10, and five games. The other two to do that, Chris Webber and Oscar Robinson. Yeah, that's elite company. And DeMontis Sabonis is that good. I think this is his 20th double-double of the season. 20 double-doubles already. That leads the NBA. I, I, like this, He's the easiest all-star ballot maybe in the Western Conference for a front-court player. Eh, maybe that's not true. But he, cert he certainly should be absolutely... I mean, I don't think he's going to be a starter because I think starters are determined by fan vote, right? And as, as great as Sacramento Kings fans are and how willing they are to vote, we don't have the population density of an LA or, or other massive markets like that, right? But DeMontis Sabonis is absolutely a reserve in the NBA like, or in the NBA All-Star game this year. I don't think it's, I don't think it's debatable. De'Aaron Fox at this point is still up for debate, although I think he will make it, and I hope he does make it. He leads the league in freaking clutch scoring. When it matters most, De'Aaron Fox has stepped up uh, on the biggest stage time and time again. But DeMontis Sabonis to me is an absolute lock for an all-star, and he continues to play like it night in and night out. The King's recipe for success all season long has been sharing the basketball and getting others involved. And for, I think, the fifth or sixth time this season, the Kings have won with seven players finishing a double-figure scoring. I talked about De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 3 steals. Harrison Barnes had that sequence in the 4th quarter really to put this game away where he hit a 3 to put the Kings up 9. Then he got a steal, picked a pocket. I don't know whose pocket he picked. Went down in transition, nifty right-handed reverse layup, put the Kings up 11. Pistons called timeout. They got within single digits again uh, as reflected by the final score. But at that point, that was really the dagger. That sequence alone is a not the full reason why, but is a confident reminder why Harrison Barnes is so important to this team. I've said it, and I said it coming into this season, I'll say it again. Harrison Barnes as a fourth or fifth option is perfect, and that's what he is here in Sacramento. No, he's not going to be a guy that scores 20 a night. There are some nights where he's going to disappear and fade into the background, and I know he did that a lot to start the season, which had Kings fans hitting the panic button a little bit. But now, night in and night out, Harrison Barnes is having an impact and his numbers are, of course, improving. Some games it's 20, some games it's 18, some games it's 19, some games it's 13, some games it's 15. He's making an impact on a nightly basis, plus he's so respected in that locker room. He's such a leader on the floor. Trading Harrison Barnes would be an absolute freaking mistake by the Sacramento Kings, and I stand by that. Kevin Herter, 13 points, 3 of 6 shooting from 3-point range. He's shooting 50% from three-point range in a game. He was shooting 50% from three-point range to start the season. Maybe the volume isn't as high as we want, but that's efficient, and we'll take that from Kevin Herter. Malik Monk, 11 points. To me, more impressive. Six assists. The distribution from Malik Monk is so important with that second unit, and over these last couple of games, he's gotten back to that. No surprise, the Kings have won games because he's gotten back to that. Also helps that his teammates are hitting shots. And then finally, to round out the seventh double-figure scorer, Terrence Davis had 10 points on four of seven shooting uh, off of the bench. Kings didn't lean too heavily on their bench in this game. It was basically a starter showcase type game. The starters carried them through this one. Uh, other players had some, some decent moments while the numbers weren't necessarily there or weren't necessarily great, but this is a team. They win as a team, and their stars step up in the way that 
they need to, which is not De'Aaron Fox scoring 35 or 40 points, which he's capable of doing, and there are going to be nights where they're going to need him to do that. But in a game like this, 24 points is enough as long as he's doing everything else. That's what De'Aaron does, that's what DeMontis Sabonis does, and the Kings are winning games because of it. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And if you use BetOnline to bet the over on the Kings win total heading into this season, which I think was like 30, was it 32 and a half or 33 and a half, something like that, you're feeling pretty good right now. And I told you that was a good bet then, and it's probably not as good now because Vegas and BetOnline and everybody else is catching on to the fact that this Kings team is a good team. So I hope you will end up making a good amount of money from that bet. And there are so many bets like that. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football, college bowl, season, basketball, World Cup. They have it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So the Kings handled their business on this road trip. They go home with a 16-12 and 12 record. They leave on the road trip four games above 500, come home after the road trip four games above 500. That's mission accomplished in a lot of ways, in my opinion, for Sacramento, especially because their next six games are at home, and we know how much better this team is at home. Now, these six games aren't walks in the park. Two of them, I believe, are against uh, the Denver Nuggets. This first game against the Charlotte Hornets, who are really struggling, I'm not going to say is a walk in a park, but definitely a game the Kings should win. The Kings do have a meeting with the Los Angeles Lakers as well here in Sacramento during that trip. They've already beaten the Lakers this season, but that team is still the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James on it, so you always have to be careful. So I'm not saying they're going to go 6-0 over this next six-game stretch, but if you look at their upcoming schedule, like if you look at the next 16 games for the Kings, here's some of the opponents that the Kings have at home over their next 16 games. Charlotte. Washington, Utah, Orlando, Houston twice, and OKC. What is that, seven games? Charlotte, Washington, Utah, Orlando, Houston twice, OKC. Seven games right there that maybe you can pencil in one of them as a strange loss, but any more than that, I would say is very disappointing. Like this is, realistically, this is where... The Kings have made it through a, a tough portion of their schedule to get this far. They still have a long way to go before the playoffs the, the, uh, the, itself. But at the end of the season, other teams are also going to start to pick things up, especially when seeding becomes of importance and with how close the Western Conference is, there are going to be some teams that start to get into form and figure things out in end of February, all of March, maybe early April. And I think it's imperative for the Kings to build themselves as much of a safety net or as much of a comfort in the Western Conference, a comfort zone as they can have. So this is your opportunity to do it. Find a way to get through this stretch. I have no idea what the ideal record would be. If you want to go through and break it down and send that to me, you absolutely could. I haven't done that yet. I'll say this. The Kings should come through this 16-game stretch, and I would hope be six or seven games above 500. Maybe even eight games above 500. This is the stretch to really do that with how good the Kings have been at home. They do that. I love their chances of not just being a play-in team, but being an actual legitimate play-off team. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch a Kings game in person again. That's coming up on Monday. If you're going to that game, let me know. Thank you so much for your support. Actually, let me take a second here. I got to apologize again. 
the mailbag podcast didn't drop again. Said it was going to drop Monday. It didn't. Said it was going to drop Thursday. It didn't. I apologize. To a peek behind the curtain a little bit, my family and I are going through a move. We're, we're legitimately moving out of our house this weekend. If you've been through a move before, you know how much of a hassle it is. Plus, I also have a 15-month at home. I'm not saying that to make excuses. I'm saying that to say I get really angry at myself and frustrated at myself when I make a promise to, to put an episode out or, or to schedule an episode and to not get it done because I know how many of you, and I'm so thankful for the amount of you who look forward to the podcasts and rely on the podcast for that King's Talk and that King's Entertainment. And I truly don't take that lightly, and I hate letting you down. So... I apologize that the mailbag has not come out to this point. My plan and my goal is to find a way to release it this weekend, to find a way to record it and release it this weekend. I will do my best to make that happen. And I apologize it hasn't happened already. I beg your forgiveness and I thank you so much for your support and for you to continue to stick around uh, and watch and listen to Locked on Kings. It means the world to me. Thank you so much as usual. Can't wait to see you hopefully in the Golden One Center coming up next week and keep an eye out for that mailbag episode this weekend. Appreciate you. Can't wait to talk to you next time. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.